Hello and welcome to The Chase. I am your host, Daniel Ocho, and this is the show where I talk to creatives, entrepreneurs, and athletes about what drives them, about chasing success in difficult fields, about chasing their dream jobs. I talk to people who are amid the climb, going to where they want to be. Uh, This week's guest, we have on James Zuba. James is a Syracuse basketball beat reporter who joined the show all the way from North Carolina. He was at the ACC tournament. Uh, watching some very good basketball this year. And James and I talk about his work for Noon's Magician, a popular Syracuse blog. We talk about how he got into sports journalism, the often thankless nature of the work, and the excitement of following a basketball team around the country for a full season. We talk about the the day-to-day grind that is doing that. I think a lot of people kind of don't understand what goes into following a team of any kind uh, and the often the grind that it is to just be ingratiated with the team over the course of a season. It really is unlike anything else, and I think it, it was a very cool conversation that we had. Remember to follow the show on Instagram, at the Chase Pod, and I think that's it. Uh, without further ado, here we go. Hello, I am here with James Zuba, uh, Syracuse Beat Reporter. Thanks for joining us today, James. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Much appreciated. So... Let's kind of get right into it. You are a Syracuse beat reporter. I did not know this when we first met. I just knew that you you love Syracuse through and through. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. First, thanks for having me on. Obviously, and yeah. So I write for NewsMagician.com, which is SB Nation's uh, Syracuse website. Um, kind of got hooked up with those guys around the time I was graduating from school. And yeah, I've been doing it for, you know, this is my fourth season now on the beat and do a little bit of editing too. Um, kind of under my, my managing editor who, you know, he runs the site uh, full time. And then, you know, I kind of help out on the side when I can and, and do some editing for our younger guys that we have on staff and then do a lot of uh, Syracuse basketball writing, get out to as many games as I can and, you know, try to cover the team and, um, it's it's cool. It's it's been really fulfilling. I've I've found a lot of joy in it. Um, it's it's definitely hard. It's definitely challenging throughout the season. But you know, I wouldn't trade it. You know, it's it's definitely a lot of fun, and and, and I'm still enjoying it a lot. So it's it's been great. So d- did you do any like journalism in school? You you didn't go to school for journalism, right? No. So so yeah, like you said, I mean, I went to Marist and studied finance. I still I still work in finance. That's my primary gig and. I'm hopeful to go as far far in that field as I can. But, um, you know, this is just something I picked up on the side that um, I thought that I would be interested in. You know, I've always had a passion for college basketball. Uh, obviously, you know, growing up in Syracuse, I mean, college basketball is huge there. Um, sometimes it's like Syracuse basketball is the only thing going on in the winter and everybody's kind of uh <laughs> what's what's the right word i'm looking for here they're kind of like affected by this like syracuse basketball phenomenon but um but yeah you know i always kind of came into it through that lens and as a big college basketball fan so um i was kind of naive to the whole the, the journalism side of things but i knew that um you know i knew a lot about college basketball and i, I had a pretty big like knowledge base there so um, yeah, that's kind of how it got started. And, you know, it's kind of the lens that I came into it through. That's, uh, I mean, what you're talking about with, uh, like the Syracuse kind of the malaise that kind of sets over the city and that whole area. Like I, w- I went to school in Cortland, so it's about a half hour, 30, 35 minute drive to Syracuse. And like, we always would go up there for the, to the mall mainly, but yeah. 
it's it's so cold and it, it like during the winter that like Syracuse basketball is it's the only show in town. It really is like, right. and it's it's difficult really to to explain to people who haven't kind of been there during that period of time. But it it it's pretty cool, honestly. Like it's yeah. it's not something that you really see or could possibly see. Like I go to St. John's now, and St. John's could never own the city or own the area in the way that Syracuse does for extended periods of time. Yeah, it's it's true, and, and you definitely hit on a key point there. It's something you really can't understand unless you experience it. Um, that's that's true with a lot of things, but I think especially in this case, that's that's what stands out. And yeah, as you know, in Cortland, there's there's like even less going on down there. So it's like if you want to do anything, you gotta come up to Syracuse or you know go to the mall or go to the game. But yeah, it's it really is a, a unique thing, and I think it's something that that helps everybody get through those tough winter months. You know, you. You almost uh, in the summer you look forward to it in a way you know it's going to be a long winter but you know Syracuse basketball is you know you'd be hard pressed to find anybody you know in that city that wasn't at least passively aware about you know the program or Jim Beheim or what's going on so um, it's just a, a really unique thing it's cool it kind of kind of unites the whole city it it really is like a sense of community up there and it's and it's just something that brings everybody together in a big way so. So you said you you kind of you graduated Marist and then uh, you, were, did you, were you immediately working in finance and then and then you tried to make this jump or like you you just took a shot at it? No, so I actually you know I picked it up my senior year and I think it was just something that I just started because I liked college basketball. It was something that I wanted to get involved in. Um, I don't know if I necessarily had any like lofty goals to start. I just knew that I was passionate about it and you know wanted to get involved a little bit. So. Um, I picked up a little bit of writing, you know, you know, my senior year at Marist when I when I started, when I went back to school. And, um, you know, that spring when it was around the time of graduation, I um, had a friend of mine who, who was a video coordinator for Syracuse football. He reached out to me and said, he's like, hey, you know, uh, this website Noons, they're, they're looking for a writer. And I, I was familiar with the site. Like I'd, I'd read it before, obviously. And um I don't know if you know anything about like Syracuse media, but like the Syracuse post standard, um, Syracuse.com, like that's kind of, you know, the main source for everybody. But, but noons was like this, this fresh new way of like looking at sports through like a more comical lens, like a more laid back lens and was like a, a more conversational, um, website, you know, we kind of, kind of built like a community there, um, versus like Syracuse.com is, you know, obviously they have a wider following and all those things, but it's, it's, um, very like old school journalism, um, just like a lot of reporting that goes on versus, you know, with, with us um, kind of built like more of like a community and it's more like a, a place for discussion. So uh, I reached out to, you know, the managing editor at the time and just said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with Syracuse from the area. You know, I followed basketball for as, as long as I've been alive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he we had like a quick back and forth and um, obviously said that, you know, I went to Marist and he, he had a, a few friends that went there and said he visited a few times. So he's like, yeah, you know, we, we'd love to have you on board and um, kind of got started there, like right right around the time of graduation. But I just I viewed it as like a, more of like a hobby at the time. I mean, I knew I was going to have to have like a, a full time job and um, I was still interested in, in getting into finance. You know, that's kind of how I would describe it. Like I've always been interested in finance, but basketball has been my passion, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And, um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, rambling here. So if you want, to... <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so I, what I'm kind of curious about is, so like, 
what always interested me about those sites, like Noon's Magic, is that SB Nation seems to have like kind of hit on this idea of going deeper with content than a lot of like the mainstream mainstream newspapers can possibly go now. Where in in the old days, it's like the the Syracuse Standard, all these old school newspapers. It's like that. That's the primary place you read about Syracuse basketball, all the Syracuse stuff, and. Like, is that, was that something that was kind of appealing to you, that this was a site that was kind of going just, like, it, kind of building that community and, and going deeper into it, um, like, kind of fans talking to fans? Yeah, well, well, frankly, like, if I had gone, like, a different route, like, so I see it now with, with a lot of kids that, that go to Newhouse at Syracuse University, they study journalism. That's kind of, like, the path that they take. Um, those are definitely, you know, guys who can um, – come into it through like a more a, a journalistic side of things. Whereas like I knew for myself, like I wasn't a journalist when I started, you know, I, st- I still don't really consider like myself a journalist, even though it's, you know, I've been doing it and you do all the work that like a journalist does getting to, to games and interviewing people and, and all those sorts of things. But, um, I just, I didn't really at the time, to be honest with you, I was, I was naive to it. Like I, I wouldn't be able to, to make that distinction you know, I wouldn't have been able to, to point that out like three or four years ago. Um, I just knew that, that they were looking for people. And um, I didn't know, like, I had no idea how big it was. Um, I didn't realize, like, you know, since talking to fans and everything since, um, you know, we, we have kind of a big uh, share of the conversational pie, like, if you will. So, um, you know, I just thought it was it would be cool to, to come on and, and write something familiar and a chance to write about Syracuse basketball, which was something that I, I'd followed for years, obviously. And, uh, you know, everything's just kind of unraveled and, and grew since, you know, I, I definitely didn't know as much as I, I know now since, you know, four years have gone by. Had you had you written at all before? Because, I mean, like that is a, that is kind of a, a big jump to make for, for someone studying finance where, where you're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to write now. And like that, it, it takes a certain like amount of confidence in, in oneself to even do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd never like formally in my younger years, like ever written, really. I mean, I had. English teachers that, that told me like I could write and that, that I was good at it. Um, you know, I'd always like write like meaningful things to my mom, like around her birthday and Christmas and stuff. And she would like share it with her friends. I remember like one of her friends was like, she's like, you should be writing novels. Like that was amazing. And I was like, I, like, I never thought anything of it. I was just like, okay, like you're just gassing me sort of thing, you know? Um, yeah. but I just, you know, I mean, I guess, I just I started to see some things in, in finance that I didn't like and, and luckily like with, with my job now I've started to see some things that I do like since I got into it and my mind's been changed a lot. Um but uh, but I just thought at that time, you know, my senior year of college that it was something that I might want to get involved in. Um, you know, I just kind of started writing like a few articles before noons, um, for it was actually Rant Sports at the time. Um, they're, they're like non-existent now and, and there's never really anything to start, but it was at least something that I could share my work with, with the guys at noons and they, they saw it and they said, okay, you know, like this kid, he's at least capable of, of writing and, you know, grammar, punctuation. Those are little things that I think people look for and, you know, like sentence formation, those sorts of things. So, um, no, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really something I had like a ton of experience in before, but. You know, it was just something that I knew I was passionate about. And I think when you're you're passionate about something, you just you're eager to grow and learn and you, you always see the challenges through. So one, one thing I kind of want to dig in on is you said you don't consider yourself a journalist per se still. But I mean, you're you're basically doing the most classical form of 
like sports journalism. You're 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 a beat reporter. You're kind of following this team around all season. Yeah. Uh, like I guess why why do, why don't you consider yourself even now? Because I mean may, maybe at the beginning when you when you're kind of younger and starting to dig into it, but but now you're you're kind of in the in the mold of like these these kind of old school journalists. What you're doing now? Yeah, uh, it is interesting. I guess when I when I look at it, I look at it like. I wouldn't want to do any other type of journalism. Like, like I wouldn't want to cover anything else. I wouldn't want to cover politics. I really wouldn't even want to cover any other sport. You know, I'm kind of just like a college basketball thoroughbred. Like that's, that's my interest. So your, your 2020 election coverage out the window right now, you're ready. You're ready to denounce it. No, um, not, no interest. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to really cover anything else other than, than college basketball. So, I mean, I guess I could, you know, the, the skills translate and it's, it really is very similar work when you think about, you know, going out to an event, you're covering it, you're trying to absorb as much as possible detail wise and, and see as much as you can. Um, you know, interview people about it and then create a story. Um, you know, I guess that's, that's similar across the board, but, but when I look at it, I mean, I just wouldn't want to cover anything else and I wouldn't have any really interest there. So, uh, this kind of brings up another question. How, how often do people ask you if you went to new house? <laughs> uh, I think I have like an identity crisis because, <laughs> uh, Oh, let me, let me just explain briefly for you. New house school of communications or journalism it's it's the big syracuse uh communications journalism school that like uh 75 of all sports media people went to it seems like yeah it seems like it there's a, a huge new house presence and it's, it's probably you know they go through the, the the competition with other schools and stuff but uh, but i do think that the new house has the largest you know presence or, or alumni base in, in sports media but yeah, when when I meet people, they'll they'll assume I either went to Syracuse or that I went to Newhouse, and I'm like, <laughs> I have to like spell it out. I'm like, no, I mean, I went to, I'm from Syracuse. I went to Marist. I studied finance. I work in finance. <laughs> it's just something I do on the side, but because I'm very passionate about you know the city of Syracuse and of course Syracuse basketball, um, that's kind of what people know me for. So it's kind of a there's always like this this. Uh, thing where I have to explain, you know, where I'm from and, and what I've done to, to kind of get the, the picture right. Do you, do you think that kind of coming from that outside perspective has allowed you to bring sort of a, a different perspective to the whole beat reporter, like journalism thing? Because like for me, it's like a lot of those guys are, they're journalisms from, they're, they're journalist students from the moment they step on campus. They're like, this is what I'm going to do. And, and the idea that you were kind of following an alternative path and then kind of return to this, uh, I, I just think it's like an, an interesting wrinkle in in that story. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I've always kind of wanted to write like for the Syracuse kid. And, and maybe maybe it's a thing where like, how would I as a kid have liked to seen this team covered? You, you know, um, like when I when I grew up, I always loved the preseason coverage. Like when when, um, you know, different writers would dig into guys' personalities a little bit. Um you know, what they were listening to music wise, what they did on their free time, how they went about their day. Um, that that stuff was all very interesting to me. So um, I think from that perspective, that's something I really like getting into is, um, you know, when you interview players, like just their personalities, what they do, their relationships with their teammates off the court. That's that's something that's interesting to me. Um, a lot of times as the season goes on, you know, you just get basketball coverage and there's there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you should be doing. Um, but, but that's one thing that, you know, when you come through it through my perspective is, is somebody who, 
you know, lived in Syracuse and, and grew up following the team, those sorts of things. Those are the types of things that I like to bring out that are just a little bit different. That, that's actually interesting you bring that up because one thing I've noticed from just reading a couple of your articles throughout the year is, is you kind of talk about these minute details about the players and, and kind of gives them a little personality. And, and what that reminded me of is I've brought up these like classical beat reporters in the past, but these these books uh, like the Jordan rules, all, all these books that they don't really come out anymore, like the eight seconds or less, but where these beat reporters kind of went for a season with the team and, and are just like they, they bring so much life to these guys who we kind of only know as names on TV and who we're watching. But I guess did you have a did you have a, like a uh, someone in Syracuse like on that beat growing up who was particularly like doing that all the time, kind of giving personalities players by these details? Yeah, we've been really lucky actually as a as a Syracuse community. Um, two people that I grew up, I, I've read every single like article that they've written since I was about thirteen or fourteen. But, uh, Mike Waters and, and Donna Detota, they work for Syracuse dot com, um, Syracuse Media Group now, but formerly uh, Syracuse Post Standard. Um, they've been on on the beat forever. You know, I think Mike Mike's a UNC grad, and he I think he's twenty years on the beat maybe maybe it's 30 i, I can't remember wow. if it's 20 or 30 so he's he's been there forever um and he's he's awesome you know like um every single detail is covered i mean he's on it um it was actually a really cool experience for me when i went out to the ohio state game earlier this fall um i was sitting next to him and it was the first time i got to to sit next to him during a game and i was amazed at it how every detail was covered in the game. Like, I mean, he's on it, he's writing it down and if he, you know, puts his head down and he's writing something and something happens, he's asking about it. You know I mean? He's just on top of everything. So it was, it was actually really cool to see him work. Um, but, but those are two people. Yeah. I mean, uh, him and Donna have, have done great work for years and, um, I've followed them ever since I was a teenager. So it's, you know, they're, they're great. You know, the Syracuse community is lucky to have them for sure. So, so you were one of those kids who was kind of like consuming a, a ton of just sports, like books and articles, kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I've always been like a little bit of a, a bookworm, I guess. Not even just in basketball. You know, I've always liked to read. And oh, that excites me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the few bookworms that I know. Uh, I like it. I like it. It's a, it's a lost, uh, it's a lost art these days. A lot of kids don't read, but. Um, yeah, I think I was just like eager to, to learn about, you know, the world and things like that. I mean, it sounds corny, but that's kind of what it is. Um, but basketball was definitely one of those outlets. And, um, obviously as we've talked about, like just how big Syracuse basketball is, it's hard not to, um, you just kind of get enveloped with the season once it's going on. So I just wanted to learn as much as I could, like about the team, you know, um, everything we see is on TV and, and stuff like that. But, but that's not it. You know, that's, it's not just limited to that. I mean, there was radio and stuff. You're, you're constantly consuming radio and stuff when you're, you're a kid and um, things like that. So really you're just trying to find as much out about the team as you can through any medium possible. So once you start writing for noons, at what point do you start like revealing it to people? Is it immediately? Or are you kind of posting about it immediately or did you kind of slow play it for whatever reason? No, I, I think when I came on, you know, it's just, it wasn't really like a, a formal announcement or anything like that. I mean, it, I just primarily like shared, you know, through social, um, you know, just kind of, I probably just posted to Facebook and said, Hey, you know, I'm joining noons and here's my first article or something like that. You know, I don't really remember it. Um, I remember when I got started, they, they just really needed somebody to get news up 
and it worked out well because nobody wanted to hire me right out of school. <laughs> <laughs> so I was basically, you know, moved back home to Syracuse for like two or three months and, um, you know, I was still looking for work and interviewing. I was coming back down to New York City all the time and, you know, just, just for interviews, just hoping somebody would hire me. Um, but in the, you know, I had a lot of free time that summer, so a lot of it just went to writing. So it, it actually worked out somewhat well in hindsight. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think people were familiar with it and, and now it's to a point where, you know, people know and, and uh, when I post my articles and stuff, people, people understand it, I think. What, what were like kind of the reactions from the people like close to your friends, your family when, when you started writing this? Cause I mean, a lot of times when you, for, for you, it's a little different because you kind of were going after this finance path as well as, mm-hmm. as this path. So typically for a lot of people that I've talked to, it's. People kind of get uncomfortable when people start chasing these kind of things, uh, and they're like, "Ah, oh, what are you wasting your time with that for?" Did, did you experience that at all, or? Uh, honestly, no. I mean, I, I've always had very, you know, supportive like friends and family. You, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe there was some of that. If if there was, I don't really remember. Um, you know, my my mom's great. She's, you know, the the most important person in my life, and she she always just says she doesn't really care what I do. To be honest. That's, never, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, she never like pushed me in any direction or said you got to do this. I mean, she's always just been like, you know, it's your life. You got to do what makes you happy. And um, if this is something that you think you're after, go for it. And she knows, like, you know, obviously I'm her kid. She knows how passionate I am about basketball. And um, you know, I don't I don't think she was you know not supportive of it at all. She's always very supportive. And uh, my friends too. You know, I have a few friends that. Uh, my two best friends from home, actually, one one played college ball. Um, he played D3 up at St. Lawrence, and um, the other is a coach now. So we're all kind of like very, you know. Um, In the thick of it. Came together like over basketball. So I don't think it was necessarily like a surprise to them. Um, through through journalism, I mean, it's a little bit different. You know, it's a different path. But I don't think there was any real surprise or anything like that. Now, now that you've been doing this a while, what's something you wish more people kind of understood about sports journalism or, or just working a beat? Uh, just how hard it is. <laughs> uh, you know, there's really, it's it's very um, intrinsically rewarding. Uh, I'll say, you know, you the 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 external rewards aren't there, which which is what you want, and I think that's how you should live your life is is focus on what what really matters internally, um, as opposed to like external awards and all those things. But you know what I mean by that is there's really not a lot of money uh, in sports journalism, and it's very hard. Um, it just kind of takes years and, and years to, to build a following, even if your work's really good. Um, and you kind of have to, you know, like the, the media game is almost like a, like a game of attrition almost. It's just kind of like how long can you stay in it and survive <laughs> on so little um, it, while, while keeping going. So it's, it's hard. It's, it's challenging. It's definitely like a younger man's game. You got to I think you kind of got to get into it, you know, when, you, when you're a little bit younger uh, and you kind of have the energy to to go for it. But um, but yeah, those those are a few things that I would say. I mean, that, that's basically kind of why I wanted to have you on to talk about this, because journalism is one of those chases where it, there it, it's so difficult that, that by the time like you're young now and, and as people kind of get closer to 30 and external pressures come down, people people very often like have to sacrifice or, or make hard decisions about the, these chases. And journalism is just one of those things where, as a, as a young man, like there there isn't a lot of external validation for for what you're doing. You're kind of grinding in the dark. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's very it's very hard, and you know, like I said, I think it just takes it takes a few years really to build up a following or to you know be someone that people are familiar with. Um, you know, you could be the greatest rider, you could be uh, you know like one of the bigger guys in the game, like a you know Seth Davis or one of those guys. But it still it still took those guys years, you know, to build up a following and all those things. So um, yeah, it's just it's just something that. You know, obviously, if you're if you're starting when you're 30, and you know you hope to have a family or, or you know anything else, as life gets more difficult as we age, it just gets harder and harder. Um, so I, d- I definitely do think it's it's something you have to start. You know, when you're the earlier you can start, if it's something that you think that you're interested in, the earlier you can start, the better. So are you still able to to find fun in it? I mean, I, that seems like an obvious question because from from the outside, it's like you're going to these games, but but like you said, it it, it becomes work. It, it's like anything. Yeah. And I am like, that's, that's the biggest thing that I think I try to emphasize is like, you know, when you first get credentialed and you first get out to a game, it's, it's fresh, it's exciting and you don't know what to expect. You're, you're a little bit nervous and all those things. And uh, I think through my first two years, I I probably only did like a handful of games, like maybe like less than 10, more than five or probably less than 10. And when you go out to games, it, it becomes like a job. And, you know, I started thinking to myself during one game, I remember it actually, it was uh, South Carolina at Barclays uh, in a preseason tournament. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, why are you like putting so much pressure on yourself to like get all these stories? Like you, you got into this for fun, like just have fun with it. Like, how would you how would you come out to this game today if you weren't writing? Like, that's kind of how I wanted to approach it is like, come out as if you're here to enjoy a game. And then once it's time for like interviews, take that seriously, but, but then just have fun with it. So I think that's something I always try to think about today when I go to a game is like, yes, it's work and it's, it's serious and you have to get stories and those sorts of things. But, but also don't, don't forget to have fun along the way. And I think, I think that's important. You know, anytime you're, you're not having fun, it's almost not worth it. You know? So I think you have to find, find the joy in it in, in the ways that you can. Was that, was that your first like time being credentialed? No. Um, so my first year on the beat, I actually got a couple of games. Um, we had somebody, you know, that had obviously been there a few years. He was a student at Syracuse and um, he did really good work. And then, uh, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with, with my editor about it. And he's like, he's like, yeah, well, you know, Michael's the, the main guy in there right now. But if he can't go to a game or something, we'll try to get you in. And a couple games during that first season, it was actually the 2015-2016 the season when, when Syracuse went to the Final Four and um, Bayheim was suspended for nine games, but Tyler Lydon, Tyler Lydon. Yeah, it was a Tyler Lydon year. He kind of came out of he came out of the scene that year. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I got a few games that year when he was sick or wasn't able to make it. So th- th- that was my first year on the beat. Were you nervous that that first time being credentialed? Because I, I mean, for for some of those kids who who would be in that spot, they they've kind of been training for like years. They're they're going to these journalism classes. You've been you've been kind of grinding at, at this writing thing and, and building up like your your following on on noons, but was it kind of a nerve wracking moment? Yeah, and, and first of all, like that's that's the thing with it too is like you really do have to do good work for a while before anybody's going to send you to a game. You know, you're not yeah. just going to like come on the scene within the first two months and, and you know take the world by storm and get out to a game unless you're like really lucky or have like a great connection or something. Like that's just not how it goes. You kind of have to grind so. People trust you. They trust your work, and, and you can get out to a game because they they know you'll be responsible. But um, but yeah, I think <laughs> the first game I did, I was pretty nervous. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I had always 
come into it through like a fan perspective. So I was familiar with the carrier dome. Like I knew everything about the dome when I had even seen like some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, but I didn't know how to cover a basketball game. You know, I mean, I just went there, I wrote the recap. Um, I went into the post game presser. I didn't ask a question. You know, I didn't really know how it worked. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to like say the wrong thing. You know, you, you kind of just, you want to feel your way before you, you do anything silly. So, you end up on social media. One wrong question. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be. You don't want to be the person in the, the the post game presser that gets you know blasted by Bayheim and all of a sudden it goes viral. So that's that's something you want to avoid. But uh, but yeah, you, you know, you're. I think you're always going to be nervous at your first game, not know what to expect. That that was a pretty interesting team to kind of get your feel with because. If I remember correctly, they weren't very good during the regular season, and then they basically hit the hit March Madness, and Jim Beheim turned every every other college team's brain to mush, as he is likely to do every year for forever. Yeah, I don't know if there was like a more volatile season. I mean, Syracuse has had some pretty pretty up and down years, but um, I think I think people knew that that team could be good. Um, they they won the battle for Atlantis that year. Um, beat some pretty good teams, uh, a good UConn team that year, um, and a Texas A&M team that was really big. So, um, you know, I think when they, they won that, people thought that they could be really good. And then, you know, they really struggled when Bayheim was out. Uh, they went four and five without him. So uh, I think there was this prevailing notion like, okay, Syracuse is better than what their record suggests. You know, they had two fifth-year seniors, Mike Benajay, Trevor Cooney, um, you know, two freshman studs, Tyler Lydon and, and Malachi Richardson, um, both have, have tried to carve out NBA careers here. They've been up in the league and, and down in the G League. But, um, yeah, I think I think there was like a prevailing thought that like, OK, you know, Syracuse is a better team than than its record would suggest that year. Funny story. My my college friends, a couple of them, they, they're all very into high school basketball in New York State. They, they go to Glens Falls every year. They're, they're big into it. Awesome. And I believe that Tyler Lydon beat all of them at some point and like ended all of their high school careers, um, except for my one friend who on Lake George hit a three over his uh, over his head. So that entire season and they're all Syracuse fans. So that entire season, they were just actively rooting against Syracuse because <laughs> because Tyler Lydon ended all their basketball careers. Oh, no. Yeah, it's hard. like once once you play against somebody like that and they go to a to a big stage or you're, you're always kind of reminiscent about the times that you played in those sorts of days that's that's funny though that's, that's... <laughs> but I, I will just mention him greg nice nice three-point shot okay <laughs> <laughs> hold it forever um so what's uh what's something you kind of wish you knew going into this that you didn't know but but now that you've been at it a while that you kind of wish you did just, just how um just to enjoy it more you know i think i touched on that a little bit too but you know, just kind of understand that even if it doesn't necessarily go anywhere, um, just to enjoy it, you know, enjoy, enjoy the time you, you get to, you get to see some pretty cool things, you know, behind the scenes that a lot of people don't get to see. So, you know, soak all that in, enjoy it as much as possible and just, just have fun with it always. I, I think what you're kind of touching on is it's been sort of a, a recurring theme from the people I've talked to is that you, you kind of have to find joy in, in the process of this where, a lot, a lot of people can be kind of look at uh, the top of the mountaintop where they're like, uh, if I achieve this, then then I'll be happy. But you kind of there's there's no choice but to be like in, in the day to day when you're you're kind of in the thick of it. Like, ah, well, I, at least I did this. This was very cool. Um, I, I, I like that you said that because I, I came across a good quote last summer and it was something to the effect of, you know, happiness is a practice, not a destination. 
And I think so often, especially in the culture that we live in, is like there's so much value placed on getting to the top or like like being the top dog and like all those things. It's like if if I get this or when I get this, then I'll be happy. And it's it's so opposite of, of how happiness should be. And not that we should like strive to be in this like static state of happiness all the time because I just don't think that's realistic. But, you know, I guess the lesson is like, what can you do today, you know, to, to make your day better or how can you go about it or your job or whatever it is? Um, how can I go about that today where I can find joy in these things? And I think that that sort of um, mindset of now is really empowering. So, so I think whatever it is that you're doing, if you could find joy in today, you know, you'll be better served in the long run too. So I think it's just it's a different way to think and it goes counter to, to what we value as a society sometimes. But I think that's, important. yeah, no, no, definitely. That's, that's basically why, why I wanted to do the show was because I, I felt like I, within my extended social circle that I knew a fair bit of people who were kind of in the midst of chasing these things. And I thought that I, I've heard so much from, from people, just various interviews of people who have already climbed the mountain and who are on the other side and can look back uh, and, and say, Oh, this is where I went wrong. This is maybe I, I shouldn't have done this, but the people who are kind of, in that climb that there is value to their experiences and, and kind of talking about the, just the day-to-day grind of that. But so I'll, I'll kind of move on to my next question. I, I wanted to talk, uh, Ira Glass, the, the guy who does This American Life, NPR, all that stuff. He talks about uh, the gap when, when you first start doing something like this or just any creative endeavor where you, you have, you still have really good taste because you, if you're doing something like this, you have followed along with it. You, you have excellent taste in, in what you like. And at, when you first start out making your own stuff, there is kind of this gap between what you're doing and the stuff you like. Did you feel like when when you first started out, you maybe weren't up to up to snuff with with kind of the stuff that you had grown up reading? I think, and maybe this doesn't exactly answer the question, but I think when you when you watch, so just just through a basketball perspective, when you watch a game on TV, there's there's only so much you can see. Or in other words, you're you're only seeing what somebody else is choosing to show you. And what I mean by that is when you get out to a game and you're, you're there in person, you can see whatever you want, you know, that's that's within your view. You can yeah. use the focus on whatever you want. When you watch on TV or when you when you read what's what's been written by somebody else, you're seeing it through their perspective. And now when you get out to a game, or at least for me, when I get out to a game, I'm seeing everything through my own perspective or, or what I choose to see. You know, when I'm watching the game, I'm I'm focused on different things or, um, you know, when I when I do like interviews and stuff, I'm seeing it firsthand. You know, sometimes uh, that flavor, I guess, gets a little bit lost when it's, you know, watered down a, a little bit. Um, you're not necessarily getting like the full conversation in, in a piece of writing or um, the full picture when it's shown on TV. Um, so I, I think, I think that's how, uh, I would, I would describe it. I don't know if that, that ex- exactly. No, no, I think, I think that's a, a great way of answering the question. It was a long question. So we'll, we'll excuse a, a succinct, a succinct answer. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about your process when you're at a game. Can, can you kind of walk us through how, how you prepare and, and just the process of the game and how, what, what goes on afterwards? Yeah. Um, I think preparation starts well in advance of a game you know even coming into a season um it it definitely starts there you know now i'm to the point where 
uh, I have a lot, you know, in my memory bank that I can reference, you know, just because I've been, you know, following it for years and years. Um, but, but for someone who's maybe just getting into it, you know, I think preparation starts well in advance. Um, you know, if you're, if you're covering a team or, um, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, you want to, you want to gather as much intel or as much information as you can prior. Uh, so, so for me, that looks like, you know, reading what other outlets are writing, um, see what people are writing about Syracuse, about, you know, Jim Beheim or any of the players or anything like that. Um, you know, radio interviews. So something like this, um, you know, for me, it's Syracuse radio or different guys who do different podcasts that follow the teams and, um, you know, or maybe even like watching film, you know, if it's a, a familiar opponent, maybe you watch a game from last year to try to pick something up or something like that. Sometimes it's not always feasible to, to find the time to, to watch, you know, a full uh, two hour game, but you know, you really just want to gather as much information as possible and then, you know, get to the game early. Uh, if you're in media, you're, you're allowed to get in there two hours before tip. So get in there, see as much as you can see, um, you know, prepare as much as you can. And then that way, you know, once the game tips off, you're ready to go. Um, see what you can kind of find during the game. Obviously, you have to follow along. And, and with the game, you never truly know what's going to happen. Uh, inevitably, there's always something that comes up that you can't prepare for. And then, you know, just kind of try to take all that and, and go into interviews and, and ask insightful questions after that. And, and then get your stories up. That's kind of how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want I want to ask now that you've been doing this a while and you, you you're kind of so in tune to kind of the details of the game as you're sitting courtside or whatever it is are you are you able to turn that off when, when you're just watching a, a different college basketball game or or is it kind of always on for you <laughs> yeah it's it's hard <laughs> it's to do, you know sometimes you just kind of you know if you're at home or something you just have to sit back and, and watch the game and not try to be a reporter about it or analyze things but you know, as much as you try, it always comes back up. I mean, I always kind of you – know, I was watching the, the Seton Hall Marquette game last night. I saw you tweeting about it. Yeah. This, this is kind of where the question came from. <laughs> and, I, and I found myself, like, getting aggravated. You know, I was like – it was a poorly officiated game. I don't think I have to, to say anything more than that for those who are watching. But, like, you, you know, I'm watching it, and, I, and Quincy McKnight gets teed up for, for something that just didn't even deserve a technical – and so inevitably like that stuff just comes out, but, but, you know, you try to, you try to just watch games and enjoy it, but, but sometimes, you know, it just, it just shines through. I'm just very happy that now the world can see what an absolute abomination the Big East referees have been this season. As someone who watches St. John's every game, they've, they've just, it's just been brutal. And as, as horrible as it was for everyone else to watch, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy that this is happening. Yeah. I mean, uh, I won't say I've seen a, a more poorly officiated game than that all season. You know, that was really bad. There was like 70 fouls. Yeah, that was that was absurd. You know, how many technicals, like eight technicals or something like that, you know? Oh, uh, but it, it is everywhere. You know, we get it in the ACC, too. People people always claim that, you know, the ACC refs are awful, that there's some home cooking with, the, you know, North Carolina and Duke and, you know, all those sorts of things. So it's it's not just the Big East. So I kind of wanted to talk about these these videos you do before the game. I've messaged you on Instagram about these before, and and they are Instagram. Uh, I don't really know how to describe them. You, you walk out onto the court through the tunnel, sometimes with the players, sometimes uh, just by yourself. You you kind of walk down the aisles and get these these cool shots of the court. So where did that idea come from? For everyone should should follow James and look at these videos. They're very cool. Um, but where did that idea kind of come from? Yeah, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I mean, I haven't really thought about that, but I think something that we touched on earlier, right, is like, 
how would I want this covered if I were a kid or like I were a Syracuse kid? And one of those things is if you're going, if you're going to the game, like as a fan or you're buying tickets or you're interested in the team, you don't get to see everything. So that's kind of what I tried to achieve with that is like, how can I bring that out? And like, how can I intro people to the game? You know? So hopefully let's, let's do that like in an exciting way. And then let's capture like, okay, something that somebody can't see from the stands, you know? So that's, that's something that I want to bring out. Um, and I think that's true for, for like any, any way that you want to cover a team is, is bring out the story that not everybody can see. Um, but, but I do think it, it goes back to the prior point of, okay, if I were a Syracuse kid, you know, what, what are the things that I, w- I would want to see if I'm following somebody that I can't see myself? I, I think that it's, it's a very like smart line of thinking because kids today i mean so many kids today i don't want to sound like i'm 100 years old but but so many of them consume sports and so much of their sports consumption comes from like instagram or, or twitter and you're, you're putting these up on your instagram story and, and you're giving them such like a, a feel for the stadium that you can't really communicate on tv and, and it's only through these like just how massive these places look when when the fans aren't there and, and just how just how like immersive you, uh, these videos are it, it's just a very cool experience so now that you've you've been with Syracuse this this whole season, you've been following them around. Where, where does this team rank among your favorites? I mean, that's probably difficult. It's like asking you to name your favorite child, but oh, maybe maybe it's recency bias, um, but but definitely it's definitely up there. Um, I think last year last year was a little different because they were they were so shorthanded. So I would probably have to go with, you know, the 2017, 2018 team of last year Um, just because those guys fought through so much. Um, You know, they had a player. Well, well, first of all, Tyler Lydon went to the draft, so he was he was gone. Um, They lost a player just before the season started to a transfer. Uh, Another kid that they had come in, quit the team, you know, like a few games into the season. And then now all of a sudden there's a freshman that's thrust into the backup point guard spot and, you know, he tears his ACL in a very early uh, January ACC game. So they, they were just, you know, down to like six, seven players and they, they fought every game, you know, and it was like their margin for error was so thin. You know, they rode the bubble throughout the entire season, you know, gave it everything they got and then still found a way to get into the NCAA tournament and then got to a Sweet 16. You know, so I think any time that you see a team like that that's just, you know, fighting for their lives and giving it all they have and, and going all out, and sometimes it's not enough to get you over the hump, but you're right there, and then you achieve success at the end. That that was really sweet. I mean, just just to see for that team, you know, just everything that they had to fight through that year. I don't so much enjoy watching uh, Syracuse regular season basketball the last couple of years, but like that that team was another team where when March comes, they they are just like. They're just they're they're electric to watch because they turn everyone else they just make everyone else look silly for for whatever reason. Beheim just is a mad scientist, I think. But and you you play a team like that, and especially the second game of of a, a tournament weekend, you know. So you're thinking of round of 32 or you know uh, elite eight, you know those types of matchups. It's very hard to prepare for a two three zone that you know likely you haven't seen all season. In less than forty-eight hours, you know that's a very difficult thing to prepare for. Okay, so I understand that we've we've talked about how this this is work and how it's kind of it's often difficult to to see the forest for the trees, but 
what has there been a moment? What has been the highlight kind of of your your journalism career so far? Where you're like, wow, this is this is so cool. I'm gonna tell my my grandchildren about this. Uh, I think it's hard to pick one, but you know, Duke, the Duke game this year definitely stands out. Um, I had actually went down last season, uh, but it wasn't a very competitive game. It was, it was still a very you know, I guess the, the word I would use is awe. Like you're just kind of in awe. <laughs> being in Cameron Indoor Stadium and seeing Coach K, yeah. like all these things. The game went into overtime and, you know, it was a high-scoring game and kind of featured a lot of different people stepping up in different roles on both sides. And um, just just the reaction afterwards was, you know, it kind of just, kind of just took over the, the national media. Um, you know, Duke, it was Duke's second loss of the season at that time. And, you know, I think they were like a 17-point favorite, you know, that night. So, um, just being there for for an upset like that was very cool, and um, seeing the guys afterwards, and you know, interviewing them, how excited they were, and all the stories that came out after that—that's it's definitely up there. Um, so now, you've now seen Zion Williamson twice in in person. Is he is he the best basketball player you've ever seen play live? Yeah, he's he's the real deal <laughs> uh, at the college level. Yeah, uh, I would have to say, you know, it's hard to find anybody else that's that's better than him you know he's just a different level i mean even on tv it doesn't really do him justice you know you see it on tv and you're like wow you know it's amazing but um, when you see him in person too it's just a different level i mean he's kind of doing things that, that just shouldn't you know you wouldn't think would be possible at his weight you know he's 285 and can jump out of the gym every time he dunks his head's at the rim at least you know it's it's just uh it, it doesn't quite make sense you know the things that he's able to do on the basketball court at his build but but he does it there, there are a few things as exciting for kind of being in the building to watch like a truly dominant college basketball player. So, so last year I, I was in the building when, when St. John's played Duke and, and St. John's beat Duke, but Marvin Bagley was just, he's just a freak. Like he is just another, he's obviously not Zion's level, but, but that guy was just incredible to watch himself. And it, it's really difficult to communicate to people who haven't, who haven't seen it, but it, it really, there really is just something to seeing that like spectacle in person. Yeah, seeing is believing. You got to see it for yourself. That's how it is. Hundred uh, percent. So, so now I, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Syracuse Carrier Dome, very hot building that is somehow doesn't have air conditioner despite being named for an air conditioner company. Oh. Um, so, I'm, I'm. This is a couple years ago. Wind back the clock. Uh, I don't. Maybe it was two years ago. But I'm watching Saturday afternoon. Miami plays at uh, at Syracuse. Miami is like number ten in the country. Syracuse upsets them. Syracuse storms the floor. Where do you stand on on this this floor storming? Because uh, my my stance is, you're freaking Syracuse and you just beat Miami. I think I'm all I'm honestly you know I'm for the the court storming. The the only the only thing that I have against it is is more like player safety and, and we we saw this you know kind of in the Nevada game earlier this year where like I don't know what happened but anytime you have fans coming onto the court that are in close contact with the players I mean that's that's a safety concern for sure you know maybe I sound like uh you know I'm part of the no fun club but, <laughs> but uh yeah you know I I think that's where it gets a little bit you know a little bit testy but you know to your point too if you're an elite program and an elite team uh you know you should kind of expect that uh, I think in that season, though, it was a little bit different just because Syracuse was on the bubble and, you know, that, that win meant a lot. 
in terms of solidifying some NCAA tournament hopes. So, you know, I'm for it. You know, anytime there, there's a, you know, the kids are there, it's an experience that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives, you know, storm the court, have fun, you know, enjoy it. Just don't do anything silly. Don't hurt anybody. Don't get in other players' faces or anything like that. You know, just, you know, enjoy the court storm. It's, it's something that kids will remember forever. You know, why not? I'm generally pro fun. I want to put that out there. Generally pro fun, but as I was watching that, I was just like, man, where where does it? Miami, Miami. I don't. NC State. If NC State comes to the Carrier Dome next year as like number twelve in the country, and Syracuse storms the court, court, just just know you're getting a tweet from me with with a a question mark. That's fine. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, as I was just kind of looking at your Twitter profile before I asked you to do this. Uh, are you aware that the the screenwriter of Five Hundred Days of Summer and like all these other movies follows you on Twitter? Who, who's what's the name? <laughs> I think it's Michael D. Weber or something. I did not know that. <laughs> but no, I, so I mean, I follow like a lot of screenwriters on Twitter, so it says people you may know who follow him, and I was like, what? What the hell? Wow! And Jason Stark follows you. Yeah, Jason Stark does follow. I have no idea why. <laughs> I, like it was during a Syracuse game, and I think I, I tweeted something out about like Buddy Bayheim or something, and then he followed me. I saw it. I was like, I was like, wait, what? Like Stark? Okay. <laughs> was that was that like your wow? I've made it moment. I've I've gotten like a few like uh, there's been a few like moments like that. Um, earlier this year, I wrote a profile on Buffalo head coach Nate Oates. I read that last night. It was very good. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you for reading. Thank you for reading. Um, and it was it was before the Syracuse game, and you know last year they came to the dome. It was close, and, and I wrote something on him, and I kind of wanted to get the Buffalo basketball story, and it turned into like the Nate Oates story, like just based on our conversation. And really cool moment, you know, um, former Syracuse guy Mike Cousins. He reads our our site, like he's like I I've actually met him, you know, um, yeah. but I hadn't at the time, and he he read something from my story out on the air, and I was like. I was like, no way. Like he, he read my story, you know, like nobody else. So cool. Detail. Yeah. And so later in the year, I actually saw him um, at the airport after the Virginia tech game. And, and he was in the airport. We were actually set up, set to be on the same flight. And I, I walked by him and I, I said like, Hey, you know, my cousins. And he's like, he's like, yeah. And I was like, you know, Hey, J- James Zuba. Like I wrote the NATO story. Like, thank you so much for reading that. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I read everything you guys put out, you know, and, and you know, we, we, chewed the fat for like five minutes so um just moments like that are are really cool you know it's like you never know who's reading your work or you never know um you know how that might show up or how it might impact somebody and even like you know i went home for the duke game this year and and bumped into some old friends and they're like oh i I see it's like the first thing they say you know like oh, i read all your stuff you know it's so it's it's really cool you know it's it's you you never know you know how you're influencing people hopefully in in a positive way yeah i mean mean, for for like a young writer to to have the the sort of reach that you, that you have right now, I think it's it's incredible, really. Like so many people kind of do this stuff, and it's almost in a vacuum where nobody nobody really gives a shit. <laughs> because I mean, for like the, like you said, it, it is a grind. You have to really work hard at it for for a while to even get that sort of platform. And and I, I was looking at one of your articles the other day, and it had like three hundred and fifty five comments, and I think that is incredible. Like there is a real sense of community around the work that you're doing over there. Yeah. And I mean, I can't even take credit for that. Like our, you know, our founder, you know, I'll say it's Sean Keeley. He's, he's awesome. You know, I mean, he's, he's great with that sort of stuff and he really built it. I mean, I mean, he started the site in 2006 and, um, you know, kind of, kind of started during the, the Greg Robinson football era. So the way that he did it, you know, he was almost making fun of that whole era 
and, you know, got really, you know, built the community through those years. And then, you know, just, just kind of continued since, uh, we've kind of had like the same readers and people who have read the site for over a decade, you know, it's, it's really cool. So, you know, that's not even something I can take credit for. It's just kind of the people before me that have built Noons to be what it is. And, you know, the, the results speak for themselves now. It's just kind of, you know, everything that, that Sean and the past editors have done. So it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's really special. Okay, so we're, we're going to start to wrap up here. I just have a couple more questions. So what's the best thing you've watched or read this year, 2019? Ooh, uh, basketball-wise, movie-wise, generally. Anything. Anything you want. doesn't have to be basketball. Uh, I'm still in the process. It gets very hard, you know, during the basketball season to read anything else. Um, I'm reading a book called Passages by, by Gal Sheehy. Um, phenomenal book that basically – you know, it, 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 it tracks the life of many different people throughout the course of their lives at different stages. And it just kind of explains, uh, or, or, you know, someone in my shoes, at least reading the book, how, how challenging life can get at each stage. And just really for how, for everything you gain, you know, there's something to lose. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like you never figure it out, you know, for everything, everything you gain, um, you've lost something or, or vice versa, you know, for everything you lose, you gain something too, or you can't. Um, so I, I think it's a really good book that just sort of, uh, makes you understand that how we're, we're all really under the same factors in life and, you know, how we all go through many different challenges at different stages and things like that. It's, it's a great book. I'm not finished with it yet though. I I am so, so excited that, that you just recommended a book on here. Oh man, we don't get, we don't get a lot of book recommendations on here. Let me tell you that. Well, you gotta you gotta go down to the library, go to Barnes and Noble or something. I'm a big I'm a big reader myself, so so we're trying to bring reading back. That that's my that's my mission here. Let's do it. Uh, Let's bring it. Back. <laughs> so so now uh, I, I give this to everyone. Uh, what what's something that you you don't get to talk about enough? But I'm giving you an opportunity here to go on talk about whatever you want. I guess I'll just continue on that theme. Is like you know just general life thoughts. Is you know just make sure you enjoy it, enjoy each stage. You know so much changes throughout the course of your life and it changes so quickly and you know it goes by quick as you talk with people that are older than you that have lived before you you know it's we're really here a short time so you know make the most of it um you know do the best for the people around you if somebody gives you an opportunity at something come through for them um you know be good to the people around you your friends your family um and you you kind of i'm under the belief that you kind of owe it to everybody that has put something into you to do the best with everything you can and, and to try to serve a greater good. So, you know, those, those are my thoughts there, I guess. <laughs> wow. That was very good. Usually people just talk about like, I don't know, just not, not things that's so nice. Uh, let's talk about freeze pops or something next time. <laughs> I think the last interview I did, uh, shout out Max. We talked about, uh, the big 10 versus the sec. <laughs> so, you know, it, it varies. I like that. This one was a lot more contemplative, and, and I like that. Yeah, I want to go higher level with it. I guess. <laughs> so uh, now, so so, what does success look like look like for you in this, in journalism? Yeah, um, you know, success is different for everybody. That's for sure, and it's it's something that's hard to measure. But you know, I think as I go forward, you know, just just the greater following, and um, just to continue to have fun with it, you know, continue to enjoy it, and get out to games and, and kind of just experience things as, as we go. You know, there's there's really no, like, set expectation for me. I think expectations can kind of be tricky. You know, sometimes it leads to disappointment in those things. So uh, just to keep going with it, you know, hopefully I can just keep doing it for, for as long as I can and, 
um, meet as many people as I can through it and, and, you know, help as many people along the way, you know, hopefully, you know, guys will feel comfortable sharing their stories with me and, and hopefully I can, you know, continue to do that and, and just enjoy it. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Awesome. Now my, my final question, I asked this to everybody. Uh, if, if you were to send a message to yourself, message in a bottle to yourself five years from now, uh, it could be anything you don't want to lose sight of, or you don't want to forget. What would it be? Uh, two words, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if I have like much of a message for my future self, but you know, you, you do this for a little while and you're busy and you know, things pile up and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, like a few years go by, you know, so just to, to slow down and savor the moments, uh, celebrate the wins a little bit more and, and just try not to, you know, always be in such a rush to get things done or to get to the next step, you know, just kind of slow it down, you know, enjoy life and, you know, just, just make the best of everything is, is the best you can. Okay. I think that's great. Thank you, James, for coming on the show today. Um, do you want to plug your social media so people can follow you and see those cool Instagram videos? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a bigger Twitter guy. So, so hit me on Twitter, James Zuba. It's at James Zuba, uh, S-Z-U-B-A. Um, but if you want, you can follow me on Instagram too to see those stories. Uh, get them up for every every game that I'm at. Uh, it's jzuba315. Uh, shout out to the 315 area. <laughs> yeah. uh, Your yeah. love for the Syracuse area knows, love, uh, knows no bounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you're interested in following me, you know, give me a follow over there, and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll be you'll be rocking with some Syracuse basketball the rest of the way. So, all right, thank you, James, for coming on today. All right, man. Thank you. Have me on. I appreciate you. Thank you to James Zuba. Thank you for listening. You can follow the show on at the Chase Pod on Instagram. Uh, please remember to subscribe if you enjoy the show. Leave a five star review. That helps people find the show for whatever reason. I didn't make this system. Thank you guys so much. Next week I will have actor Paul Michael Pasinelli. Man, he's got an actor's name, that's for sure. Uh, and Paul Michael joins the show to talk about becoming an actor despite having a regular job a successful job having a house and chasing after this thing a little later in life than a lot of people get started so paul and i have an incredible conversation i look forward to it and i hope you guys will listen so thank you so much and i'll see you next week bye